0: Hi, welcome back to Everyday Seeker. I'm your host, Rebecca Muir, and please connect with us at everydayseeker.net. You can find us also on social media, Instagram and Facebook and all of that good stuff. We really, really love to connect with you. And it's been a little while since I've done an episode. I am in the midst of a big transition. I moved to California a few months ago, as many of you are aware, and I'm not getting my episodes out as frequently as I would like. But um, lucky for me, when I launched this podcast, Mars was in Taurus. So let's just hope that we've got some serious longevity. (laughs) Anyway, you astrology nerds will like that one. Um, I'm so, so honored to have my friend Paul Jacek here with me tonight. We're just going to sit and have some tea and have this amazing conversation. We didn't overthink this. We didn't prep too much, but um, I had the good fortune of meeting Paul a few months back at the Liberate Emporium in Los Angeles, where he works as a tarot reader and teacher and psychic. I didn't even give him his proper introduction here, so... um, Bear with me for a moment, Paul jasek he is a playwright, actor, dancer, singer, psychic, master of tarot, and also tarot teacher, a spiritual counselor, a former flight attendant and Mary Kay beauty consultant, Queen Mary tour guide, double cancer, and In-N-Out Burger enthusiast. (laughs) So, (laughs) we went out to In-N-Out Burger a few months ago to celebrate Paul's birthday, and I'm still getting to know this incredible human being. And when I came back with my burger, um, he was in the middle of... um, telling our group of friends, he said, well, I never thought I would live this long, and uh, he was sharing some of his life experiences and his life story, and I was so floored by what this beautiful human has gone through and has lived through, <laughs> and um, I just thought, I've got to have him on the podcast, because it would be such a service to share this beautiful life with uh, with our listeners, so welcome, and thank you. We'll well,
1: just... Thank you, Rebecca, this is uh, quite an honor, and how much fun, um, Meeting you, she's such a ray of sunshine. For all of you that have <laughs> known her um, a little bit longer than I have, but there's also that lovely, uh, sympathetic vibration that people have. That meeting you, I already knew you.
0: Yeah, yeah. We've walked yeah, together been... before.
1: Before, indeed. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. So, um,
1: and how fun is this? So, you know, it, it is interesting as I sit here, and, and I'm certainly old enough to be your father, but. Uh, and it may also be the community that we're sort of in or or the, the healing aspect. It certainly is true in, in entertainment. Yeah. That this, this like vibration of really is what's finally going to heal the planet. It's not a forceful one, but it is an attractive one. And we see that currently all the time.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. Um, With just everybody that's here at the mm-hmm. Liberate Emporium, actually, yeah. Um, where both Paul and I spend a lot of time.
1: (laughs) Indeed. We're here (laughs) all (laughs) the time.
0: We're here all the time. Um, And usually, so we're going to go a little bit off the beaten path here. What I normally do is I have a whole conversation with people um, or with my guest. And at the end of the episode, I ask them if they had one message to share with others, what that would be. And Mm -hmm. I'm actually going to start this podcast with that question with you. Um, And so... I don't know if I should say. Do you remember what you told me when I asked you that before?
1: Well, judge, judge <laughs> yes. not by appearances. Yes. Yes. Indeed, you know this. Um, I learned through my theater training that uh, the reason we're attracted, or or this ancient method of storytelling, that probably cavemen had a great story that they were telling around a fire, and now you know we go to the to, you know, the National Opera to experience the human experience, because quite frankly, that's the, the common thread that runs through all of us. Our, um, our truths may be different. Your truth about growing up as a, as a beautiful young girl in Nova Scotia may be different than my growing up in Colorado, but honesty is the same across the board. Sure. And I think this authenticity that people are looking for in their lives comes with a lot of work. And, you know, there are are people that uh, are certainly searching. I think the human soul is so hungry for the sacred that they begin to look at it. And I think it's interesting that we're seeing at a time when... when, certainly in this quest for the sacred. You know, psychology at one point and religion at one point finally meet at the top, literally, <laughs> of this, this, this balm for the human soul. But what if you've had bad experiences on either side of that? What if psychology might not have worked for you? What do you do if religion has been unpleasant uh, <laughs> for unpleasant. you? <laughs> you know, if, if you're not one of the, the... Because each of them are sort of... Um, can be a mean girls club. If you're not doing what they want you to, or following along, well,
0: both it can be very institutional, and so in that sense, you you have a structure there, and you might accept certain things within that structure. might They might be a good fit, but there's usually going to be a couple things for most people that uh, are a little bit like an itchy wool sweater, (laughs) a little chafing here and there. So, yeah. So that's
1: what I find. And within that true story that I was talking about at my birthday, these people were so sweet. Um, It was my 58th birthday, which means I'm 280 in gay years. And um, (laughs) (laughs) and, uh, they all collected it in and out. We got to wear hats, sweet Julian and Janelle, and Rebecca remembered me. And um, what I love about the timelessness, is that all of us are a certain different age. All y'all could be my kids, but there was a oh, lovely...
0: Oh, stop. Well, <laughs> but, but that's not a bad thing. Yeah.
1: What I'm interested in is, although I made reference to it, is when I came of age and was certainly um, growing up in the late 70s, coming of age in the late 70s and then into the 80s with the mm-hmm. AIDS crisis, um, I didn't plan on living this long. Mm-hmm. The, the devastation here in Los Angeles, which was worldwide, um, yeah. and AIDS isn't finished certainly, um, was a, a, an experience that I really thought on a daily basis that I wasn't sure that I was going to get through, I, I myself being positive. But here's the part, and I don't take any really ownership, the in, indomitable human spirit. You're not going to go five minutes before the time you're supposed to, and I do know that. So the in-between from, from your first breath to your last, I, I actually have my own headstone.
0: Oh, my God. With my
1: family in, in Colorado. And it does, it says, you know, M, my first name's Martin, M. Paul Jacek, the third, July fifteenth, nineteen 1958,
0: Dash. Because <laughs> that's how close it was, and they were, like, just waiting.
1: Well, they were and, all I, ready. and I went, which, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of planning. But the Dash is the interesting part.
0: That is a trip. Wow.
1: So it's interesting when I go back, I stand there amongst all my beloveds who've already had their their turn this time. And uh, I suppose it could be creepy, but it's really quite quite um, comforting because I'm going to make that dash as much fun as I possibly can to the last breath. <laughs>
0: this is one of the things that's so um, like exciting to me about you and your energy is that you just kind of laugh in the face of death at this point. It's just, I mean, even when we were talking about tarot... A couple weeks ago, because Paul is going to be teaching a tarot class in October. If you're in L.A., you should check it out. But um, we were talking about how people are scared of the death card, Mm -hmm. that death archetype. And he's like, what did you, I wish I could remember your quote. You were like, oh, people always think it means physical death. Mm -hmm. (laughs) As if that's a problem. And then you just, Mm -hmm. like, started laughing. So, I mean, I just.
1: Well, it is because people were so fixated on death. I'll tell you what. And I say this frequently, I've faced AIDS, alcoholism, and two emergency landings. I've got dying down. <laughs> it's this living that will kick the crap out of you. Yeah. You know, and, and when, you know, the, the, the issues that people bring, pretty soon I figured there's not much more I can scare myself with.
0: That's the truth. Why,
1: literally. There's, you know, I'm still a work in progress, God knows. But I have now the wisdom, certainly of this age, that if people have an honest problem, I'll tell you the most wealthy thing I know is my experience. This is how I got through it. It isn't because I read it out of a book and it's not because I heard it somewhere. I have the experience. This is how I did it. So, and I said, no one does it perfectly and we're never going to get it all done. So, Frequently in my morning meditation, um, I will stop and go, how much fun can we have today? And there are days when I'm a crank. I wake up, you know, with one, with my lip curled and a little snotty. Cause I, I still have, you
0: know, I have,
1: have everybody has this human aspect. I think there's like four vultures that sit at the bottom of my bed and I wake up and and one of them goes, Oh, what a shame you woke up.
0: Oh my and the other God. one
1: goes, Oh, you've gained a little weight during the evening. You've lost a little hair. Uh, Nobody left you. Have a nice day. You know, that stuff starts, and I think it's part of the human condition. It may be part of the recovery uh, system. And I quietly say, I have rolled out of bed and hit my knees and say, reporting for duty.
0: Wow. That is powerful. That's so powerful.
1: Because I should, I and literally shouldn't be here.
0: But you know, but you know... <laughs> You know that you should all the more mm-hmm. for that almost. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because it's so fucking miraculous mm-hmm. that you that you are here. Mm-hmm. I mean, you were um, diagnosed positive in 1983. Mm-hmm. It's yep, 2016 right. now, mm-hmm. and you're. Uh, recently, had told me that the virus is at undetectable Undetected. levels in your mm-hmm. body. Mm-hmm. You have, and I mean, didn't you say you were basically at death's door at mm-hmm. one point? Um, mm-hmm. Watching so many people close to you die, mm-hmm. um, in the '80s mm-hmm. for the most part, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And you just been through. You've lost so many people. Your partner, mm-hmm. it's Jim, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, your partner Jim, um, and just. I remember when you were talking about the, the plane landing on your birthday. Can you just tell us that again? Because I want to hear that story again. Too. I mean, just like, how much can this person live through?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, there's, there's several points in one's life where you think, um, and, and I happen to believe there's five exit points for every life, and they're not equally spaced. But they're, you know, this, this experience on Earth, and this is all my opinion, and it could be a crock of crap. However, it's worked real well for me. However, um, in this instance, I'd been flying for four days. I was an in-flight supervisor for an airline, a domestic airline here in the U.S., and we had left Minneapolis on our way to Denver, and it uh, uh, was—Northwest Orient actually had a uh, strike, and so we were overloaded. We had 108 open seats, and 170 people had booked for the flight. (laughs) Oh I remember God. opening the door to get the paperwork from the gate and just this wave of humanity of all these people. This woman grabbed hold of me. She goes, I have to get to Denver. It's my daughter's wedding. I'm like, I'm not the captain. I'm just getting What paperwork. year
0: was this? When was this? This
1: was um, August of
0: 1998.
1: Okay. So I went back down. And, uh, the two other ladies, I was, I was part of the cabin crew, and I said to the uh, captain and the first officer, I said, be prepared because these people are... It's a riot out there. So they managed to get... And as they're coming on... Now, this is in, as I said, 1998. People are coming on with palm trees, flagpoles, steamer trunks. We're trying to jam it everywhere on this aircraft. We finally get into the air. And I'm pretty happy because once we get to Denver, I am off for 11 days. So I'm like, (laughs) yes, indeed. I am checking my watch. The flight is going beautifully. We're getting close to Denver. Um, and I know I only have a few minutes to catch the flight to Los Angeles and I have 11 days off uh, to come home. And um, as we begin the final descent, things were looking good. It was a beautiful, clear, thank goodness um, summer night. And I heard the main gear drop and the plane then rolled sharply to the right and then he pulled it back up and I could hear the alarm bells behind my oh own head my in the jump seat. Uh, pull up, pull up. And I'm like, oh, no. And I remember just turning my head enough to see Brenda, who was sitting on the jump seat with me, and look into the cabin. And we're doing a, a hard bank to the right, and I can hear the main gear coming back up. And I'm thought, uh, okay. So in those few minutes, and I have such respect for all flight crews. God bless those people that walk the clouds. Um, and the next time you're on a flight, you be nice to those skyhags. Here's, because they, they, it's a tough job. Anyway, as we right. bank, we're, we, we're quickly running through our emergency procedure. And it does, it kicks in immediately. Of what, what, what are we going to need to do? Do we have enough time that the cockpit will contact us? If not, there's a whole series of, of checklists that you run through in your mind. Sure. The chime comes from the, from the cockpit, and he says, Can, would you come up here? So we get up. Uh, my friend Mary came from the back. We fit into this little cockpit. He said, hey, how are you guys doing? <laughs> like, good, sir. And you, he said, we have a problem. The hydraulic system has failed. We can't tell if the flaps are extended or down or where they are. So we need you to go out with flashlights to tell us where the flaps are. I said, okay. He said, we're dumping fuel out over the prairie because this could be a very hard landing, which is code for... We're we're in a situation, okay? So uh, we go out, um, and something happens. Uh, people also, especially around flights, there are a lot of people who are afraid of flight. Sure. That I think at a deep level, you kind of know what's going on, but when something's too big for you, there's a lovely uh, mechanism that shuts it off because the cabin is very quiet. They couldn't have missed that we were close to touching down and have now we're out over the prairie. Um, and I have a flashlight and we're looking through the windows. There's a woman working on a crossword puzzle. And I said, I need to turn your reading light out for just a minute. She goes, Oh, I'm not finished. I said, Oh, I don't know about that. (laughs) (laughs) So I look out, we both, we see that both flaps are extended. Uh, but they, they, it's still going to be an issue as we're coming in. They've notified Denver. They have the emergency vehicles on either, either side of the runway. And, He said, when we land, since there's no way to slow the aircraft, there's a good chance we'll be going off the tarmac. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So there's a good chance we may need to evacuate. Mm -hmm. And that's actually, ladies and gentlemen, where people get hurt Yeah, is in the evacuation because we need to get people out of that aircraft in under 60 seconds. And it's filled with 108 people.
0: Right. So it's not possible. Oh, yeah, it is. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah.
1: And we're not just going, good afternoon. I'll throw your ass out that door.
0: Oh, my God.
1: I will be grabbing bodies and pitching people as far as I can out that door. So it's, and we're on it. You know, we're coming through. I'm going through my commands. um, I can feel the main gear touch down on the tarmac, and we are screaming down the tarmac. Holy shit. And I'm like, oh, oh. And it was, it was real tense. And I I had the shot into the cabin. The woman to my my right actually just had a bulkhead. And I thought on those last few minutes, I think this is going to go badly. Mm Mm-hmm. Now my father had just passed away two months early, and I thought, "Am I going to feel it first? Am I going to hear it? What's the slide? And I thought, oh, "This is wow!" And I thought, "I'm kind of good with it. I've had such an amazing run, and kind of big and dramatic. And that I'm I'm ending in a plane crash. Right. Oh wow!" And then I thought, "I wonder." If it'll be on the front of the Denver Post. I mean, I was, I'm so crazy. So we start, we finally begin, and I can see the emergency vehicles' lights flashing into the cabin, and we begin to decelerate and decelerate, and we stopped 18 feet short at the end of the runway, because thank goodness it was Denver. We have two miles of runway.
0: Oh my God.
1: Had it been San Diego or Chicago Midway or even New York LaGuardia, those oh, yeah. are incredibly short runways, my God. this story would have been different. And I remember sitting there, And and when he had touched down, um, one of the bins had opened and some clothing had fallen out. And there's this dead silence. And then he did the announcement Ladies and gentlemen, Frontier Airlines would like to welcome you to Denver, Colorado. The outside temperature is. And I'm like, And he said, and flight attendants stay seated. So we were good. And I was immediately depressed. I'm like, Really? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I look over at Brenda who has two big tears rolling down her cheeks. She yeah. goes, oh, my goodness. I said, ah. and I was. I was depressed for three days. I still have to worry about people's lost luggage and rent. <laughs> she said, you're so weird. Um, but it was an amazing experience. In fact, one woman, after after the announcement, she rang her call bell, and I jumped up because there's also delayed panic.
0: Oh, my God. I can imagine.
1: So I run over, and this woman goes, um, I'm late for my connecting flight to Albuquerque. What? What? I thought... Where have you been for the past forty-five goodness. minutes?
0: Wow! Yeah,
1: it's it's pretty interesting. It's pretty interesting. Wow. So. But
0: how is that? So like, that's something that a lot of people don't experience is facing death. Like, there's you know, there's you can either go quickly and suddenly, or mm-hmm. you can be sick and mm-hmm. and know that you're gonna go and mm-hmm. and how and so you've like literally experienced both of those mm-hmm. things, mm-hmm. and um, that's super rare. Um, mm-hmm. And so like just having stared death down I guess <laughs> um, how has that shaped you and um, how has that how has that altered your trajectory mm-hmm. in your choices and what matters to you how has that changed you or how, I mean I'm sure over time too because it's been like you know there's been so I mean that that experience happened many many years after you were diagnosed as mm-hmm. positive too, mm-hmm. right? So there's mm-hmm. like, a, you know, we're talking about like how many years gap there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah.
1: Well, you know, it's interesting um, because I, I uh, grew up sort of as an only child in Colorado. Um, so I have two older half brothers who are 14 and 11 years older than I am. So I've always been I play nicely in my room by myself. The fact that there's other people in the world still is kind of annoying on any given day. But, but um, So within a couple of instances, when I was very, very ill and my own partner had passed away, um, I think there's part of the the recovery process of any situation, there is the surrender. When you have to, even your good ideas, I've outlived all my own good ideas.
0: Oh my God.
1: So therefore, there has to be this gap of, and now what? And that may be universal. That may be the cosmos going, well, yes, because my experience, especially in a search for spirituality or in the search for a higher power, um, and I did, I shopped. I sort of have a salad bar version. I'm sort of a Buddhist, Episcopal, Jewish Wiccan. (laughs) Because I shop all of them. There's a lot of tradition that you're,
0: I... You're such a great fit for this podcast. <laughs> well, I do. I love
1: I love truth however it's
0: spoken. Yeah, sure.
1: So I, I'm i fascinated about that. So when I was terribly ill, this is what I find interesting. I had to have an infusion because I had uh, pneumonia. And and I was down to... I'm, I'm weighing in at close to 200 pounds at 5'9". I'm not... I'm a little softig. Um... But then I was 135 pounds and I walked with two canes mm-hmm. because of systemic arthritis in each uh, joint in my body.
0: Which now you're like yeah. so healthy, like not a trace of that at this point. At
1: this point. Wow. So uh, I was, remember, I thought when the doctor said to me, you know, um, oh, and, and by this time I talk, I kiddingly talk about dying, but I started my professional stand up career in 1989.
0: Oh, we forgot to add that you're a stand-up comedian. I'm a stand-up comedian. Uh, uh,
1: National national headliner. My home store is the Comedy Store on Sunset Boulevard. That's where I got my first break.
0: Wow. And
1: uh, so when I was terribly ill, and this is um, my partner, Jim. We were together for 10 years. He passed away in October of 93. um, And I was 33. So I... uh,
0: The Jesus year.
1: It was. Hmm. And I remember somebody said to me... later on it made it made me laugh and made me um humble because uh, i had dear friends and my my family was so lovely i'm so fortunate to understand in a small part the power of love and how it literally keeps people alive it literally keeps people alive i've watched so many of my friends that if they have family problems or their family was unpleasant or downright cruel and mean that they did, they literally lost the will to live because love had been withdrawn. Hard to watch. Not not my instance at all. Um, so my doctor said to me, we can't get ahead of this infection. And we've been pumping it through with everything. So I, I want you to think about getting, getting things together. I said, really? He said, yeah, about 30 days. He said, we're, we're going to try another amazing round of... Of uh, antibiotics uh, We may need to hospitalize you And I said mm. oh no He said what and I said that doesn't sound at all fun No I don't, I don't like that I like my own bed I like my own thing Double cancer I like being in my house So a friend of mine who would driven me to, to the hospital For a bunch of tests We went back and I said so And we had done this for so many of our friends I can put together a funeral or a wedding In about 10 minutes for you <laughs> there's some I skills wrote, so
0: this is about where i came in at the in-and-out burger on your oh. birthday you know, don't stop for a second because i need to hear it again it's so and everyone needs to hear this is my favorite part oh, okay yes. keep going nice. this is just like the most beautiful like, the most exciting thing oh, carry you're, on you're too sweet i mean you
1: know i will um so he said you know well, well let's do this so we got on a big yellow pad and we started writing down things for my memorial service and um and we started just goofing. And I can barely breathe. I mean, I sound like this, but we were laughing so hard I couldn't catch my breath. He goes, oh, please don't die now. We haven't picked music. I mean, it was <sighs> just really dark. Oh, my dark. God. We were hysterical. You're so much so
0: we're, oh we're
1: go, We were. We were just. And you know <laughs> the dark humor after a friend of mine who was nearly in a coma uh, out of the hospital we ordered a pizza and had it delivered to, you know, bed 62A. I mean, it's oh that's just my the stuff God. that you do. And going, did you want pepperoni? I mean, you sound responsive. I mean, we're just, <laughs> we're so disrespectful. <laughs> I'm really kind of, you know, disrespectful about death, frankly. I
0: don't think it's disrespectful, though. So
1: uh, we got hysterical. And he said to me, and he's a marvelous producer. He's still a producer here in town. He goes, you know, this is really a show. And I went, really? He goes, you think you have one last one in you? I said, "Yeah, it was his love." I'll tell you right then. I thought, "Really?" It literally gave me a reason to live. Yes, yes. So we began plotting it. Another friend of mine, the lovely Beverly Mickens, came over, and we wrote a show. And so started we off a, as
0: a funeral, started
1: off as, as a as memorial, my memorial service, service. Yeah. and, and uh, turned so,
0: into a show.
1: Now, in the meantime, there was a. Um,
0: would have been one hell of a memorial service. Yeah, well, oh, and the
1: people, you know, I mean, it would have also gone on. I mean, we were out of control, like the casket being lowered with disco balls. I mean, oh it was just God. out of control. <laughs> like a Vegas uh, show. So we found a place to do it and we booked it for a weekend. So it's going to be a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And I had a doctor's appointment that morning. And I'd had some tests run mm-hmm. earlier, but I literally, all I could do is maybe talk to him for a couple of hours a day and sleep a great amount of time. And mm-hmm. twice, twice a week, I would have this three hour infusion in my left arm. I had a PICC line in and what I would do then, and it was it, was, it also tasted like terrible, like rusty nails in your mouth. And you, oh, it
0: sounds like flagell. Oh,
1: it was just awful. Like this,
0: yeah, this like, is it an antibiotic?
1: Oh, it was several antibiotics. It was like that and battery I think, acid. I think I was on
0: that once, actually. Anyway, not awful. that, I, you know, not that I can compare my situation to yours, but yes.
1: Well, in one respect, there's no bigger little in miracles. That's true so I would lay there and have a whole other fantasy life and I imagined that if I were going to do one more thing besides the show I would like to fly for a living that would be fun but I thought well honey that's never going to happen for you but it's a cute idea I'd always love to fly I still love to fly and um, so I went to the doctor that morning and he said uh, these levels he said I'm surprised you can sit up do you have any energy I said I'm good he said, so let's, let's go ahead and, and take you over to the hospital, because uh, we can, I'm, I'm on this weekend, and I can watch her. I said, oh, why can't I have a show?
0: <laughs>
1: and he looked at me and said, what do you mean? I said, oh, no, I'm opening a show this evening. <laughs> and he said, I, hmm, I said, here's the deal. If it does not go well this evening, then I'm yours. Then I really, you know, if there's one woman who just gets up and leaves in the middle of the show, sure. I'm, I'm all yours. So... Thank God, mm-hmm. the sweet people, uh, we had a full house oh for the God. opening of the show, and I had a standing ovation. Of
0: course you did.
1: And the show is called Secrets of a Beverly Hills Shampoo Boy, because <laughs> that was a, what I did at one point in my life, As I was a shampoo boy in a, uh, in a salon. Nine
0: lives, just and, like a cat.
1: Indeed. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we made the money, and so I called him the next morning and said, I'm good. And uh, here's what's interesting about it must have been about Tuesday, Wednesday of the next week I went back in, and for whatever reason the antibiotics had gotten ahead of it, and oh, the God. fungus and and the growth in my lungs was beginning to recede. So it that was in 1996. So
0: God, wow! And so the, actually, then the the crash landing flight thing was only two years after that. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So that wasn't that that uh well long and earlier, those right after jim passed
1: away in october of 1993 and i went back to colorado that christmas uh with my sweet family who they paid for his funeral service mm-hmm. by the way his mm-hmm. own family was unable to step up because of uh their own personal issues with his lifestyle and also his illness wow. um and my parents said why don't you move home let's go ahead and and move you home from, from California and we'll take care of you. And I, I considered it, I thought, because by that time, most all of my friends had passed, in, including my own partner of 10 years. And I thought, you know, I'm, I'm crabbing around on two uh, canes and because uh, of this hideous arthritis. Where even st- I remember standing up and the pressure in my instep, it felt like my insteps were gonna snap. And I couldn't chew because it was in, in the jaw joint where I would chew and be painful. I thought, this is, you know, this is just miserable. Who cares? Wow. Um, so my father's birthday is January 15th. So I stayed extra long. And uh, once again, and I love my family. And so we celebrated my dad's birthday. And then they wanted to take me to the airport that night. I was going to go home, basically clear out my apartment and move back home. So I got home late that night of January 15th, and the reason I'm re- referencing this is this is January of 1994. And I remember the sweet cab driver. I couldn't get my keys out of my pocket because mm-hmm. my hands were so closed that he opened the door to this apartment that I hadn't been in for, for almost two months and uh, and helped me in with my bags. And I crept back to my bedroom and I was having a hard time with the buttons on my shirt and I was getting frustrated and I was very tired and I just slid in. To uh, and I remember just throwing my clothes on top of the comforter in the bed, and I slid into the bed and I dropped off to sleep. And then I thought there were garbage trucks running by the building because the rattling was just and it and I woke up and it was about four thirty in the morning as I remember because I looked at my watch and the building began to move and my bed began to chatter and run across the floor and I'm watching the window literally sway in front of me. Oh my god. And I heard my room I lived in a wonderful old Spanish fourplex, so the floor plan was exactly the same above me. My 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 neighbor upstairs was screaming cuz his bookcase had fallen over and oh pinned him god. in bed, and it just continued. We were having the Northridge earthquake. Oh my god. So, now that my cabinets in the kitchen are beginning to open and stuff is beginning to fall and shatter and I am up somehow before the shaking stopped, I got up got dressed, ran through this dark apartment, out the front door. I'm standing in the street. I was barefoot, but I had my pants and my shirt on. And the facade of the um, apartment building across the street, some bricks had fallen into Mm -hmm. the street, and people are now beginning to stream out. The thing that was frightening is it was silent, and then you could hear air raid sirens. Oh, my God. Have we we been bombed? And the city is dark. And then all of the um, car alarms were also screaming along with it. Oh, God. So I thought, and then I realized, how did you get out of bed? And I dropped down and did three push-ups and no pain.
0: Oh, my God.
1: And I thought, oh, my God. Then I remembered another friend of mine across town who her apartment was above three garages. And I thought, with this shaking, if that's collapsed. So I jump in my little car. I race over there. I remember I'm still barefoot. And there's a little staircase that went up between two of the um, garages. And I run up there. I'm pounding on her door. And she's like, oh, my God, oh, my God, who is it? It's Paul. She opens the door. She goes, oh, honey, we're hugging. She goes, look. She said, how did you get up the stairs? Right. I said, I don't know. And then we both began to cry. She goes, are you okay? I said, yeah, I think I am. I think I really am. And I did two more push-ups for her. (laughs) I do want to show off.
0: Oh, my God.
1: I went to my doctor and said, this is what's happened. And he said, I don't know why. He said, there's been studies in Japan with bee stings. And also, there was a gold therapy that they would inject gold into infected joints.
0: Yeah, they do it for arthritis, too.
1: Well, that's, this was a, a yeah. systemic. It was a chemical kind of like, it like gout yeah. to the 10th power. Wow. He said, maybe in that moment, you had a burst of adrenaline that literally has broken all of this oh. stuff up. He said, whatever it is, is working for you.
0: Oh, my God.
1: So I had that happen in in January of '94. So getting sick in '96, I thought, well, okay. So I sort of knew that somehow there, we were going somewhere, and if not, I was good with staying. So Secrets of a Beverly Hills Shampoo Boy was kind of a hit. I uh, I got LA Weekly's Pick of the Week. I yes. had uh, a lot of a lot of and, and some interest in making it a. a a feature film
0: well didn't you say the show ran for a year it sh- ran for a year so that's just miraculous that's yeah. so just like pfft, my mind is blown because that's a memorial service that turned into a show and wound up running for a year they mm-hmm. didn't think you were going to make it mm-hmm. to the end of the month yeah so uh by the end of the show how mm-hmm. what state was your health in pretty good yeah.
1: Pretty good. I was beginning to pick up weight.
0: So do you think that that's because you had so much passion and light and love and laughter and joy from that, that that affected your health? Or um, like, how do you think of that in terms of, you know, do you, do you bother even trying to figure it out or do you just?
1: Well, taking each day as it comes, really living one day at a time. Because I've also been in recovery from active alcoholism for thirty-four years,
0: mm-hmm. so
1: this spiritual practice that is in place, I really do take one day at a time.
0: So that's super rare because that's a very nice idea for most people. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's not mm-hmm. it's not that easy to put into practice. But I suppose once you're faced with some of the things that you've been through, um, they get in a little deeper. They stick a little harder.
1: Well, here's that we all have this idea that we think. Especially if we have a routine that we're all just going to flow along. But the real hard truth is, as life, and I know this, is breath to breath. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. But no, no one's guaranteed dinner. Especially if you live in Los Angeles. I mean, and I frequently say, I'm so sorry, between sniper fire and...
0: Yeah, well, you yeah, know, just, like, drive, I have here from New York City, too. I mean, even honestly, honest to God, just driving, I'm like, it's a miracle. It's a <laughs> miracle that I'm alive, the amount of hours I've spent in my car. Because there's just so much craziness on the roads. Mm-hmm. But, um, God, now I've got to look up, uh, of course, on my Instagram, I, like, saw this amazing, to me, quote, maybe I didn't even save it, but it was like um, somebody was interviewing a woman that, was, uh, terminally ill. And they said, what is it like to wake up every day and know that you're dying? And she said, what is it like to wake up every day and pretend that you're not?
1: Mm-hmm, exactly. And I
0: was like, Oh, <laughs> cause we just, I don't know. Most of us just aren't that aware of our mortality mm-hmm. moment to moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Well,
1: one of the first films I ever did, I, I was a um, Featured extra in every which way but loose with Clint Eastwood.
0: <laughs> yeah. And Ruth, Ruth,
1: Ruth Gordon. And uh, I, a Ruth Gordon, quote, Ruth Gordon quote that I love is, "Ignore the facts."
0: Oh, that's a good one Doesn't too. that come? Yeah. So, and I live by that. Well, honestly, like your life has defied um, every prediction, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So it's you know, within. Um, We decided to take uh, Secrets of a Beverly Hills Shampoo Boy. They were just opening a small theater at the Garner Center in Denver. And the producer had had sent emails, and they liked the idea because it was a very simple show. It was just uh, a a stool on a microphone and me. And they liked that I'd grown up in Colorado. So they said, come out for an interview. So I went out and interviewed. They really liked it. But they said, we have a show that we're pretty committed to that we'll be opening, but we don't know how it's going to go. So can you stand by for it? Because uh-huh. we will, we will, we we can plug you right in behind it. And I said, oh, okay. What does that mean? And they said, well, we don't know just yet, but it'll open here shortly. So a friend of mine knew the crew scheduler at an airline there based in Denver. And he said, hey, you know what? They're fly- hiring flight attendants. I said, really? <laughs> he said, yeah. Want to go? I said, absolutely. So it was the last day this woman met me privately, the lovely Pam Garner. Thank you so much, Pam. And, uh... She said, you know, class for us starts Monday. I think we'd like you to join us. And I went, are you kidding? Wow. Okay. She said, now we have a medical exam you have to go to, which you can get over there by three. That'll be fine. And then we'll meet you in class. She said, now class is going to be tough and you have to score 90% on every test before you earn your wings. And I thought, well, this is a kick. So as I was driving over to the doctor's appointment, I thought, well, you know, sweetheart, really, this is where the dream ends. Because once you tell them, but how fun, at least you got through the interview. How sweet is that? And then she considered you. And I made a quick call to a friend of mine, and I said, well, I'm going to go, but he goes, well, you, you don't have to tell them. I mean, you look pretty okay now. And I said, yeah, but that's lying. I'm not a real big fan of that, because you have to keep up the lie. And I said, well, here's the deal. I'm, I'm responsible for people, and I don't want to put people at risk. He goes, well, okay. So we thought about it and he goes, you know what? Why don't you let them tell you no?
0: Right, that's the thing.
1: I went, oh. He said, because you're already giving, you're arguing for your limitation. Uh huh. Therefore, you get to keep it. So I go into this doctor. We run through all of it. I had made a list of all the medication I was on. He made me, you know, lift 50 pounds over my head. I had to do push ups. He goes, oh, he looked at all these. He goes, these are current medications? I said, yes. He goes, so this is in remission and it was the first time i attached that to my situation i went yes it is and i like it
0: and you just you just said yes and you just accepted that and mm-hmm. You're just such a yes, accepting person. Just always saying yes to everything that's popping Almost. up in your life. Almost. Yeah. Well, I mean, anything positive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you remain open to. <laughs> I mean, even just you know, like remaining open to humor and grace and fun when you're planning. You're trying to plan your memorial. I mean, like the fact that it's just it's such a rare type of person that 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 possesses that ability that possesses that quality Mm -hmm. of spirit Mm -hmm. Um, that I don't know whether it's just like you're a very old soul and you have that maturity or maybe you're a, you know, I don't know what, (laughs) I don't know what to chalk that up to, but I just think think that it's just so inspiring. Um, And it's medicine for me to hear it, for me to hear your story. So, and I, I'm sure that that's also the case for whoever may wind up be listening to this Mm -hmm. um, as well. So, mm-hmm. so they didn't say no. Say they didn't then say no. They didn't say no.
1: I managed to get through ground school, and uh, my mother pinned my wings on me. So adorable. And uh, my first flight was to Salt Lake City and back from Denver to Salt Lake City, and I remember the thrill of feeling that aircraft lift off the, off the tarmac, and I thought, absolutely. Aww. And I had, I had a ball. Now, I flew before 9-11, so uh, I stopped flying in... September, yeah, September of 2000. Okay. So I had been, I had not been, because I was, I had been offered a job at Universal Studios in their travel department. Oh. So, uh, miracle after miracle. And I thought, I, you know, I had risen to the height of my inadequacy. I was an in-flight supervisor for the airline. So I also played with the idea of being a, um, investigator for the NTSB, the National Transportation Safety Board, because I am interested in... Two areas I'm very interested. In, why people heal and why they don't.
0: Listen, this is a car- one of our favorites, yes. Carolyn Mace, has talked about bet. this. So what do you think about that?
1: I think it's I think she's correct. I think that your biology is your biography. Yeah. And I think at least if I look at my own story, there I really shouldn't be here.
0: Which is all the more evidence of why you really should. I guess. Yeah.
1: I guess. Um, and part of it is just simply going, okay, well, the highest kind of service, because therefore your life becomes a prayer.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So, uh, so I flew anyway. Um, it just I I am prof- as we go through my little scrapbook here. I'm profoundly impressed not by my life, but by the the giant unseen hand that has gently walked along with me. That I think that that uh, craving for the sacred is something that. It's, it's the journey to it. That is just, don't miss it. It's just a kick.
0: Was this something that you were conscious of this whole way through, though? I mean, as a young person who was, um, you know, because you said you were 23 when you stopped drinking, which is, mm-hmm. like, super impressive to me because mm-hmm. that at that age, everyone's like, woo, party! You know, um, it's just, like, not an age a lot of people are able to quit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, going through the whole HIV epidemic and watching mm-hmm. all your friends, you know, just pass and all of this is this something because right now um let's just touch check back in here so Mm -hmm. paul is a spiritual counselor Mm -hmm. he's a very very gifted uh psychic that word is so loaded you can use clairvoyant (laughs) intuitive Mm -hmm. he um he uses tarot but doesn't Mm -hmm. need to use it to Mm -hmm. get information and so i'm just like when did these gifts kick in were they always present um you're 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 conscious journey of trying to of seeking and, and aligning and connecting with with the sacred. Mm-hmm. Is this like a more recent homecoming for you or the whole journey you're sort of conscious of that? Well,
1: I grew up in the Episcopal Church, which I liked. I liked mm-hmm. it a lot because my family went. So <clears throat> you know this is also in the mid 60s. It was a social outlet and we got great breakfast afterwards. So oh, yeah. that was always lovely. And um, I liked the idea, and I liked the music. I Literally, remember we sitting there, I think, this is really lovely. And I couldn't have been older than five or six. And then understanding that there was a higher power that was about love. It was about, went, that's fabulous. <laughs> oh, well, this, no wonder people like this. <laughs> and I was also getting messages now that, oh, you know, you're... My father, bless his heart, you know, being the father of a gay son in a farming community was difficult for a very shy. My father was a very shy, sweet gentleman. He, he, he uh, didn't push me to do football. He didn't because I wasn't good at it. Because I remember thinking, well, if you'd like the football, ask me for it. You don't have to knock me down. It's just that, <laughs> that whole thing seems to be a little aggressive. And, you know, and it, especially for boys, it's all about balls. It's right. every game is about balls <laughs> and they're, they're obsessed with them certainly past 13 after pre- <laughs> it's just I was I, oh out of that oh my god
0: that's hilarious
1: but I did I had seen Mary Poppins and I loved it so much and my father bought me this amazingly baby blue parasol
0: because oh I wanted it so god, much god I love it if
1: you do this can you promise me to just play in the backyard aww and I went ah, okay you know and it, it, as sweet as they could be later on when Secrets was such a hit Uh, I went back to Colorado, and uh, I was slated to do a bunch of interviews. And my parents, as I said, are loving, amazing people, but they sat down and said, we'd like to talk to you a little bit. And I said, okay. And they said, we're so proud of you. I said, yes, indeed. And they said, but your father has an active business in this town, and we would like you to think about that. I'm like, and then I put it together. My name, my name is fairly unique, Paul Jacek. Uh-huh. My father's name, it was Jacek Engineering. My father's a mechanical engineer and architect. And I realized that they were afraid right. that they would lose their business. Right. And the ugliness of bigotry and homophobia and uh, hideousness, um, which I understand. I don't blame them at all. I chose not to do the interviews. Mm, so, um, and it wasn't two years later that, mm. over the Colorado Wyoming border, Matthew Shepard was beaten to death. God. So uh, it was it was a real thing, and I didn't think it was fair to uh, put them at risk.
0: It's not fair. So. To, not fair to you either, of course, you know. But that's just well. well and in this, and
1: fair. in this case, somebody said, well. You know, you could have, you, could have, you know, been mm. so brave. I said, my bravery is mine to put other people at risk, you know. that's People talk about that about coming out. Now, I will stand on stages and talk about my experience all over the place. It's well published that I'm a gay, gay stand-up comic. So other people that don't come out, it's a personal choice. You don't, you know, it's. I have no thought about that. And out people seems just aggressive and odd. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but within those challenges, the gifts that I found there is, you know, the two things I never really planned on being was a homosexual alcoholic. They're the two greatest <laughs> gifts I've been given. So what do I know? Oh,
0: my God. Okay, so say more about that. The two greatest gifts mm-hmm. you've been given.
1: Within that, I realized there's an aspect of alcoholism that is an actual physical disease.
0: Oh, it's yeah. Not,
1: it's just not like, oh, he oh. tickles one martini too many. No, 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 there's no. There's no. a physical yeah. aspect to it about the sugar cravings that happen but with an obsession of the mind. Mm-hmm. And... Um, It's certainly, you know, one in three families in in the United States is affected by alcoholism. And, of course, one of the first symptoms is denial that you have it. (laughs) But I never got drinking down well. I'm a barfer, usually (laughs) mid-sentence. I just, I couldn't figure it out. I just, to eat beforehand, it was very complicated. (laughs) And I was never somebody that was a sipper. In fact, to this day, I watch people and I'm like, drink that. (laughs) <laughs> just if we're going to get You're to like, it,
0: like, what are we doing here? Get, this
1: sipping thing is driving me crazy, <laughs> and uh, yeah. So, when I at my descent through active alcoholism, thank you, God, he knocks wood. Uh, today was just 18 to 23. Yeah, um, my parents, funny enough, mm-hmm. were not alcoholic. My father would have one Coors beer on Saturday night watching hee haw.
0: Mm-hmm. That's so cute yeah it is
1: okay yeah. i'm sure as a kid i probably had a couple of you know sips off his i found beer annoying because you have to drink so much of so it much really of it. yeah well you really just rent it is really it's only there for a few minutes and you have to get rid of it it's just a lot of work so let's get into <laughs> let's cut that time and i didn't get a chance to do many drugs although i probably god forbid if i ever relapse would because i'm i'm a cheap drunk and i'll be having whatever you're having and now then, yeah. then i'll be taking it from you and and, uh, yeah, cause uh, the descent through and knowing myself that this fight within myself in my act of alcoholism was, I knew I was in trouble at a deep spiritual level.
0: To, to know that even at that age is really big.
1: Because I felt bad.
0: Mm.
1: I felt disconnected. I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't connect with people. My work in the theater, and I never drank in the theater. But we certainly did after rehearsal. Oh, Mm. let's get in there and get that handled. Um, I had hideous hangovers. It was a Mm. lot of work. And so when a friend of mine said to me, you know, and I was a little superior about it because I knew she used cocaine.
0: Right. Well, she made
1: more money than I did. That's fabulous. Um, But she had been going to to meetings. And I went, oh, and we're still good friends to this day. I love her so much. Thank you, Susan. She said two things. She goes, one, I'm supposed to bring somebody. Would you help me? I went, oh, sure, honey. Too, she said, and there's really cute boys there. I went, oh, really? Because who needs a drunk husband? You know, we'll get right in there and find that. Little did I know that it was supposed to be for me. Wow. So I stopped drinking on May 1st of 1982. 28 days later, I relapsed. And no one was more surprised than I was. And I could not stop drinking. Wow. I remember, I only remember this not long ago. I was standing outside of a bar at about 5:45 in the morning. I'm a young man, and in fact, I look back on pictures thinking, "And hot! Oh, buddy, uh-huh. I had a date." But I am shaking so bad, and I want this bar to open because I need a, I need a drink. Wow! And I thought, "Here's the deal, dude." And and I don't remember much about that that three weeks because my sobriety day is June 20th of 1982. When I came to face down on the ice plant next to the 405 freeway, covered in vomit. Not sure if it was mine. <laughs> um, I went, this, this is bad. This is bad. And I, I literally, almost on my hands and knees, crawled back to Long Beach and called my friend Susan. She goes, oh, my God, honey, where have you been? We thought you were dead. Yeah. Because I literally had taken off. Because that's where the ism of alcoholism mm-hmm. takes me. And I, and I was so sick. She said, honey, I'll be over there. And we went to one of those meetings and I have been sober ever since.
0: Wow. Wow.
1: So, cause I was done.
0: So in terms of, yeah, in terms of that being a gift, it's like mm-hmm. you got it all over with, like, mm-hmm. um, but, but how else do you feel like that, that connected you somehow?
1: Well, that evening, cause I remember going back into this room and I still physically was in bad shape. I was kind of Tore up from the floor up, as they say. There was a feeling in that room, and I felt it. It literally, like, washed over me, and I thought, wow, what is that? And this woman said to me, bless her, oh, glad you're back. You know, you're really smart. That's a problem. And I thought, how offensive. Right. She said, you're going to think you can think your way around this. She said, keep it simple. You have a problem, you're fixing it now. She goes, take care of yourself. You know, it's one day at a time. I'm like, what? Uh, yeah. So I realized that the thought process, there's like it's, it's like a little man sitting in a little rocking chair saying ugly things. I talked about the vultures at the end of the bed. Sometimes it, he's like in the basement of my mind and to this day will say things like, "Well, it has been so long? What, what, what about a margarita? Wouldn't a really nice, like, fabulous burrito with green chili? Just a little more. I mean, why, why would that bother now? Yeah. I'm like, wow. In fact, I, at family, family reunions and so forth, I have a cousin, bless her heart, who finally cornered me one day. She goes, I want to talk to you about this drinking, not drinking thing. I said, do you now? She goes, so what is it? She goes, you're so much fun. I mean, what is it? She goes, is it money? Cause honey, I'll buy you. The, I'll buy it for you. I, let's just go out and have you know a few drinks. I mean, what happens if you have a drink? I said, I fuck your husband.
0: Oh said, my god! Oh,
1: I said, and none of us need any of that. So let's <laughs> go. Let's stop right there. She's like, oh.
0: So she's gonna ask me again. <laughs> yeah, wow. Wow. Ah. <laughs> Well, oh
1: my um, goodness, we have read yeah, a lot. No, we
0: have no, it's beautiful. Trust me, the podcasts tend to go. Um, I'm just gonna look here because mm-hmm. there's so many things that I did want to to speak to you about. Um, there's so many questions I have for you that are kind of mm-hmm. like big, broad questions. Right. And I, um, okay, so I was gonna ask you about your life, and we mm-hmm. t- we talked a lot about that. Um, but in terms, of, do you feel like there's a partic- like particular theme that has like presented itself over and over for you mm-hmm. in your life? Or what do you believe that your life lessons are this mm-hmm. time around? If, if I might be so, uh, bold as to ask.
1: Absolutely. In, uh, certainly along the way in, in my quest for finding a higher power and how do, how do we do that? Um, I did shop. I went to synagogues. I went to Buddhist temples. I went to a Catholic church. I went back to the Episcopal church. Um, and it came to me in morning meditation that the theme for my life was adventures in discovering just who I am.
0: I love that so much.
1: So I wrote it down and thought, well, that's piffy. Why not? So it really has been an adventure.
0: Well, there have been so many acts in this play because mm-hmm. you keep thinking the play is about to be over and then you're like, nope, act mm-hmm. four, like, or whatever, you know? Well, it's that's, like-
1: what, that's what prosperity and abundance are. And that's continual. I remember when I was examining prosperity, because we certainly want to know where the money is. Where's the money? And I get it. Um, But that's a flow. It's part of this lovely flow of life that is continual. Um, A spiritual teacher said to me when I was complaining about something, she goes, "What, what do you think God god got to the end of the universe and said i'm out of rocks we're done here that's just not what happens (laughs) so so it's always a new adventure so so you know there's always more of whatever you need even drunks on the street always have cigarettes yeah so it's at the level of your acceptance yeah and then she taught me about the different vibration about a getting vibration and a receiving I need to get some money. I need to get a car. I need to get... Is,
0: is... Ooh, Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, keep going.
1: <laughs> there's the difference of receiving, of, of a deep knowing of my needs will always be met.
0: And you see... Do you, so I am sensing now that you have a deep trust in that.
1: I do, because I'm still here.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you're a walking miracle. Yeah. All of us are, actually. All you of us are. You just much more, obviously, so... Um, <laughs> Uh, because the the odds mm-hmm. uh, of you surviving. Well, mine's mine's a little through. more dramatic than it's most. It's very dramatic, but you—I yeah. mean—you're an actor, or a comedian, so mm-hmm. of course that's very fitting. You know. Absolutely. <laughs> um, let's talk about the the work that you're doing now. I mean, you're still uh, active in the theater. You're mm, yes still you writing. You have a mm-hmm. show called First Gentleman that you, you just. That you just premiered, sort mm-hmm. of, or did did a read through of it at the very least, which I is did. like very exciting because that's about the first gay um, president of the United States, mm-hmm. and um, so you're still very active in the arts mm-hmm. and and all of that. But you're the work that you're doing now, helping others as a spiritual mm-hmm. counselor. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that is that a term you would use? I I think of you as that a spiritual spiritual advisor, um, a spiritual guide, a counselor. Certainly. Okay.
1: You know. Um part of it is is the duty of if you like to if you'd like to keep something you must give it away okay. so so the, the work that I do certainly through tarot I uh, I started in high school funny enough, uh, doing it in uh, study hall, another dear friend of mine, Vicky, uh, and I would play with tarot cards and get sort of, now I look back, we were getting acquainted with it and we thought we were terribly witchy and just a little goth, even, you know, in 76, we thought we were terribly goth about it all. And, um, I began to then actually really study it Mm -hmm. and the archetypes, which are those, those symbols or so forth are so timeless. And as a writer, you know, there's the hero's arc that you look mm-hmm. for in each story. So they're reflected there. And the more that I study, and I, I still feel, I, although it's very sweet of you to say a master teacher, uh, that I'm still a student with it. But I may be a little bit further down the line. I may be a senior in, in high school, you know, sort of, and you're a sophomore. But I have all the time in the world to teach it to you because I want to keep it. So each of my clients that I get the honor to sit with I learn just as much as they do, mm-hmm. and when I actually worked on a, a psychic hotline, I was fascinated that. And we were in in sort of a boiler room. There were little study carrels, little, little you know desks that each of us sat at, and we had a headset, and we would we would work. But we all of us had a different skill, um, and I consider it a skill. I think every everyone is psychic. Everyone runs on their intuition. But especially since doing this work, it's like lifting weights eight hours a day. Your sensitivity gets really amazing. And my sensitivity is, is fairly high. There's times, in fact, I'm finding that I may be becoming a baby medium.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, you're you're. I feel like you're becoming. I, just a sense that I have from being around you. I, I feel like your power is heightening, or your gifts are are refining, but just be your the sensitivity is is becoming more. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very interesting because I hadn't thought of this, but you know, I was going to ask about. Um, the people that come to see you, because I know that they're all looking for guidance, essentially, which is why I would call you not a tarot Mm -hmm. reader or a psychic. I'm Mm -hmm. calling you a spiritual counselor, even though you've got the gift of the cards and the Mm -hmm. gift of your uh, clairvoyance, clairsentience and all of that. Mm -hmm. But for you to point out that actually by serving these people, that that is part of your spiritual work and learning, Mm -hmm. um, just that it is part of their spiritual work and learning to come see you Mm -hmm. is something I hadn't really thought about before which is kind of, I feel a little silly for not having thought about that before. So Well, that's
1: what, as I was saying, in this in this boiler room, the woman next to me, these are random calls that are coming in, you know, so it's uh-huh. 3 dollars a minute. Right. Um, that, that's what we were charging you. Uh, the calls randomly would come to her were about adoption because she'd been adopted. It was about divorce oh, because she was going through divorce.
0: Oh, my God. The calls
1: that came to me were people coming out. People dealing with addiction. People, so somehow in this random world, we were being funneled exactly with an area that we could be of help.
0: That's like shouldn't be surprising to me at this point, and it's not, of course. Mm-hmm. But I'm just mm-hmm. like, wow, it's always. It, um... It never ceases to amaze me to hear about the, that serendipity and that mm-hmm. synchronicity. Um, what's one of the most profound experiences that you've had in working with another person like that? I don't know if there's something that you can well, share.
1: It, it, what's interesting, uh, a day or two ago, mm-hmm. everybody that came in, and I had six appointments that day, they were all born
0: in May. So either Taurus or early Gemini.
1: Mm-hmm. But they were all within the month of May. Wow. And I thought... Well, that's odd, or is it? <laughs> you know is that odd or is that God yeah. I love that the infinite winks at you yeah.
0: yeah I
1: love that there's a larger hand that that uh has it handled, okay. you know, even on days when it, you know. I've even said, I can't screw up this much just on my own. There must be a larger hand <laughs> in this that is slowing me down, that, you know, stopped traffic. Or... Okay,
0: so that's actually mm-hmm. very profound uh, that you would even say that to me right now. And I feel like I'm doing okay in my life here, but when I just think about some of the ways in which... I'm hung up or that I feel like I'm not able to move forward or, or where I see people that I love struggling with mm-hmm. certain things they just can't get a leg up on. Mm-hmm. Um, repeat that one more time, please. I can't screw up this much on my yeah, own. Is I can't screw up
1: this much on my own. I mean, I can do a fair amount of making a mess. But when it's so large, there has to be a larger You're hand. bad, not 100% yeah. here. It's exactly. not just chance. Mm, okay. So okay. perhaps there's the awareness. Of you, you're never where you're not supposed to be.
0: Yeah, that's incredibly deeply comforting. Isn't that lovely? Yeah, it really is. Mm-hmm. It really is. Wow. Um, and then going to like circling back to sure. the judge not by appearances. Okay, mm-hmm. so let's tie that in. So, like, where did you first have that? Um, where did where did you first kind of bring that thought into focus? Well, uh,
1: we are so so uh, devoted to having evidence. That I remember hearing a story with a gentleman that we were talking about, because I'm still fast. I'm fascinated also by three subjects of masculinity, power, and money, okay. and how it also relates to how men relate with women around those issues.
0: Well, masculinity and money kind of both, like, fall under the power umbrella.
1: You bet. In you bet my bet it does. mind, yeah. But it gets a little twisted when then it's a male, male couple. Uh-huh. So who, who does it? And the questions that people ask me, and I have no problem with people asking an honest question because I can tell a bully a mile away and it's not a good idea. But um, <laughs> but people will say things like, well, who's the girl? Well, that's, first of all, a sweet and sort of naive question in the fact that homosexuality is as ancient as man. Yeah. You know, dolphins, and as
0: natural as heterosexuality. Yeah, yeah, so saying,
1: dolphins are, are homosexual. Penguins are homosexual. So within that, it's only really been... Since after World War Two that there's been such a witch hunt, and homophobia has made a jump, so and we're seeing that that change now with with people's fascination with certainly RuPaul's Drag Race. I mean, you know, people are fascinated about. The the artifice of life, or or how we're talking how we're talking now about transgendered issues, which even five years ago that was oh, too, yeah. too sensitive. Yeah. Ten years ago we oh, wouldn't have yeah. talked about it, and now it's talked. You know, and it's coming to an awareness. So, in my journey and finding all of these these experiences, judge not by appearances. Lets me know that what you may be presenting, there's more there for me to see. Because, once again, there's no accident that we're spending time together.
0: Right.
1: So that judge not, for me, is uh, discernment is different than judgment. Mm-hmm. I may go, oh, perhaps not. This person is not for you. Um, you want, you know, uh, they are obviously, a cra- you know, quote-unquote crazy or whatever. That There's nothing there for you, so let's move around. it. Fine. Um, judge not by appearance is also... Um, that there's not enough, you know, that to to live in constant money drama. I I went at it in a different way in the fact that there, since there's always enough, and that if there this power is certainly a gracious power, let's play with the idea of being gracious. A gracious receipt. Well, thank you so much. Well, thank you so much. And then more would happen. So as I even walked to the bathroom in the morning, I. Each step. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: And that's so big because when you said "judge not by appearances," part of me was kind of like, "Well, I wonder if that's because he's experienced like certain prejudices in his life, and and has like a better a, a sense of compassion because he's been misjudged mm-hmm. for whatever, maybe being gay or mm-hmm. who knows." But mm-hmm. it's very interesting that you generalize that to all of life, and you you look around and you say, "Well, I don't feel abundant today." Mm-hmm. I don't feel abundant in life ever or the way things appear. Mm-hmm. A miracle can happen at any second. Oh, and yes. so this is the point that you're making. It really isn't just about like, you know, um, being treated poorly by some high school bully or mm-hmm. um, it's it's our sort of, um, our tendency to settle into like this baseline assumption or, or um, core set of beliefs that we have that may or may not be good for us, that mm-hmm. may you know, say we never had money growing up and you just not, you're so used to not having it. You, you don't open your perspective to, mm-hmm. to invite anything in. Um, mm-hmm. and that I may or may not be talking about myself right there. Um, but if I, if I think about it too, I've also experienced some incredible miracles, like just incredible, like financial miracles even. So it's like, well, duh, and how have I how have I blanked out on that? How have I forgotten about those things? And so I love that, judge not by appearances, because no matter how things look, uh, things can change in the blink of an eye.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. this, this guy, was, his yeah. short story is, he and his wife, when they got married, they literally didn't have a whole lot of money, and they were so cute. And he was a, a telephone lineman. He worked up on, on telephone poles. And he said, this one morning, it was close to payday, but it wasn't just jazz, and they were... Mm-hmm. They put their money together, and she got the $2, $2 bills, and he got some change so he could buy a soda to go along with their lunch because they both made lunch together. So he's up on the telephone pole, and this high-electricity ten- high wire breaks, hits him in the shoulder, and I don't know how many thousand volts go into his body to the change in his pocket, and it burned him really badly. It saved his life. It pulled the charge, and uh, the burn goes down pretty pretty long way down his thigh, but there is a complete imprint of one of those quarters. Is like this a, a tattoo.
0: client of yours?
1: This is a friend of mine.
0: Oh, my God.
1: And when he tells the story, and you know what? I went in the bathroom with him, and I said, I want to see. And bless his heart, he me, so I see it with my own eye. He oh said, God. here's the deal. On any, it still gives you a chill. On any given day, you are given exactly what you need. Had I had a check for a million dollars or a hundred dollar bill, I'd be dead.
0: Oh, my God. Isn't that fun? I have so many chills right now. Isn't that fun? Wow. Ooh.
1: So that's what... But we have this idea, I think everyone does, of how it should look, how it should look, how it should look. Well, you know what? Part, most yeah. of the time, I don't know how it should look. I can barely pick out my clothes for the day, so <laughs> so past the rest of it. It's all a surprise.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, like, really bad for that. I do. I, I have, like, a a perfectionist streak in me a thousand miles long Mm -hmm. and I've been working, working on that. But yeah, you have a sense I'm 34, I'm single, I don't have any money. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm like, oh Jesus, Mm -hmm. you know, like, and I, I know that I'm not, I don't necessarily want to have this cookie cutter life or Mm -hmm. this, um, this typical life. And I never, never thought that I would, but there's a part of me that worries that I might be doing you know there's like just in the back of my head you know mm-hmm. even though I know better right it's like okay I know that I'm kind of on my path and I I feel very um I know I'm doing my best and I know I'm going towards where I need to go so I know that without a doubt but there's the part of me that stress in the back of my mind well it's you should probably like will people start thinking you you know is there something wrong with her that she's still not married or you know like things little things like that um so that's a very big gift for me to hear you speak like that just now too. It's a nice reminder because I have these thoughts and I'm sure many people listening to you too, and I'm not even aware of them most of the time. So like this bullshit is going in my mm-hmm. head, in the mm-hmm. back of my mind, this little like shitty humdrum, mm-hmm. um, underneath everything. It's like this low volume static that's mm-hmm. there. Um, and I'm only like vaguely aware of that. I'm so, so used to it. Um, I mean, do you still deal with that? Oh, mind-mice. Oh, sure. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, mind-mice. They're just running, helter-skelter. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: You have the wisdom to pull yourself out, though.
1: Sometimes. And the quickest way to do it is turn to the person next to you and go, how are you? (laughs) Yeah. Get out of yourself. Get out of yourself. Because as an early spiritual teacher of mine said, oh, Paul, it's not that you think so good of yourself or so bad of yourself. It's that you constantly think of yourself. Mm-hmm. So I am my own home entertainment unit. I can zoom through my past. I can remember past failure. I baby them. I zoom into the future. The other day I went, "Oh, look at you! You're single." I mean, you know, in, around gratitude. And this is an old joke from my act that I try to be grateful every day. But this is a tough existence, you know. I didn't. I literally didn't plan on living this long. But then somebody said, "Well, you know." And then there's a woman in Southeast Asia up to her thighs in water in a rice paddy, who says, thank God I'm not a single gay man in West Hollywood. I mean, it's all point of you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is so amazing. I love it. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to share before we... Before
1: we wrap up. Um, first of all, thank you so much.
0: I can't oh, thank you enough. What it's a just lovely such experience. an honor to, to like to be here while you share your story.
1: I don't know yeah. that I have anything deeply pithy oh, that's uh, fine. to to share with folks. But if, if you're within the sound of my voice, be gentler with yourself. You're doing the best you know how.
0: Yeah.
1: If you need some assistance, please ask. Because... The universe hears you. The universe always says yes to you, even to your own self-destruction. Because we have the power of choice, which wasn't even granted the angels. The angels don't choose to be quote-unquote bad. Mm -hmm. Because even even on my bad days when I'm like, you know, this is crappy, the universe goes, absolutely. (laughs) And I'll go, oh, it's getting worse. You bet it is. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't know what I'm going to do. We don't either oh my god well I'm feeling a little better yes you are well things really are getting better and better absolutely I'm on top of the world I know it (laughs) so the universe matches you Yeah. yeah and play with that see where you go
0: god why is it so hard to fucking make that stick it's just so hard to get it to stick.
1: Frequent. Well, that's why. But, yeah. Oh, we, no, I, no,
0: it's so easy to get it to stick.
1: It's so easy I see, to get it see stick.
0: How I to stick. See what yeah, I did there? Well,
1: what's interesting about that is I, <laughs> I asked I asked the deep masters, and they said, dear one, if all of you could do it by yourself, you'd each have your own planet.
0: <gasps> oh, God, and Jupiter just went into Libra, and mm-hmm. that's such a powerful uh, reminder also. So we're all
1: here, really. Really. It
0: really is.
1: We're all connected.
0: Oh God, we can't do anything. That's like one of the biggest things um, uh, about the new age movement now is um, people are so so reevaluating relationships. Not you know even besides religion and spirituality, people mm-hmm. are no longer staying in marriages that don't work, things mm-hmm. like that, um, and the whole new age thing is about self-love and, and all of that. And it is, it is, but there's also sometimes a tendency to be like, I don't need anyone. I'm just, I'm gonna love myself. And that's what Teal, one of my other teachers, Teal Swan was saying, making a joke about that. I can't remember which video it was in, but it was really funny because I thought she was right on the money is one of the, that's like a way that we can take it too far, um, is by thinking that we have to do it all ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can't,
1: Here's what's interesting. Just in the short amount of time I've been on the planet, 58 years, look at some of the social change in the past eight years
0: oh God. in the yeah. United
1: States that, that marriage equality is a thing. It's a, th- it's, it's a big thing. I never imagined I would see that. I was talking with a professor down at USC who, who studies uh, sexuality and, and social mores, and he said, you know, many people think that there's only three boxes, gay, straight, and bisexual. And I went, uh-huh. He goes, there's seven or eight that we are now finding that people are now, especially the generations behind mine, is much more fluid.
0: It's a bell curve. Well,
1: it's, I said, so yeah. would you consider perhaps having a relationship with a woman? And I'm like, huh? And I, I actually have thought about this a lot, Rebecca, and the fact that it, it's a little scary and a little freeing because I have been such an advocate for gay rights. But here's the deal. Take it one more step. You can't pray for just your neighborhood. Uh-huh. So would I, at a point in my life, couple with a woman? Well, most of my dear friends have been women. I couple very well with women. It just doesn't include sexuality. Right. At this point. Mm-hmm. So keeping that a question mark, I suddenly feel like I'm being disloyal to my own past. But that's not true because the past is over. And... There's nothing, I used to have it inverted. I used to think my past was full of opportunity and today is a desert. And that's, that's incorrect. Spending, <laughs> spending more time in your past, you can't keep a corpse alive. Yeah. So the fasting idea really, there's just unending opportunity ahead of you. And you have this lovely power that literally creates universes that goes, what do you want to do?
0: Oh my God. What do you want to do? Hmm
1: pretty humbling.
0: What do you want to do? I
1: uh, here's here's what th- there's food. Thing. Okay, let's talk food things for a second. I have a friend of mine who's beautiful and has this wonderful body, and she eats what we would term crap. And, always, and I used to be crazy because I started the business as a dancer. I think I told you. you I used carried, to weigh your food. I weighed my food <laughs> and the water had to be room temperature, distilled if you had it. I was very kind about it, you know. And, and I would throw, you know, I said no ice. I mean, whatever. And now I don't care. And now I so don't care. So the pendulum has swung the other way. But she, uh, but, I, but I'll but tell you, I watch and I judge and I judge myself going, oh, you're eating crap again today. She goes, Wow, that seems like a lot of work. I just realized that everything I eat turns to beauty and health. And I went, really? It seems to work for her. She doesn't really work out. She's in great shape. Oh, by the way, she's 92, and she's the world's oldest living, working showgirl.
0: Oh, my God. What's her name? Can we say her name? Yeah,
1: We sure can. Dorothy Dale Kloss. Um, She came up, and she taught Bob Flossie how to tap. That's what's cool, and she's still a working showgirl. She came, it was on my bucket list a couple of years ago to tap with her, wow. so she drove up from Palm Springs with her friend Ken Prescott, and they came and uh, they were like ten fifteen minutes late, which coming from Palm Springs, that she goes, I'm so sorry. It was you know I was in class. I said, you still take class? She says, honey, I teach class.
0: That's incredible. She never stopped, huh?
1: Yeah. No, she said, you know, there came a point in her life when she went, you know, I, I believe her husband had passed. Mm-hmm. Her children are grown. So she's, you know, do I want to sit in a retirement community playing Mahjong? It's available. That can happen. She goes, I think I'll go back and tap. So she became the, really the, the star of the Palm Springs Follies and Palm Springs for 15 years. And now she's on a national wide tour. National-wide tour.
0: That's amazing.
1: And I'm like, that's it. And if you were to look at her, because I've worked in casting, she presents as about 60, 62. Incredible. I I watched some footage of her after the Folly show in Palm Springs with these people, literally sweet things, very hunched over in walkers, going, you're great. And Dorothy would always go, now, honey, how old are you? She goes, you know, 61. And Dorothy's a good, by then, 20 years older than her. So what is that? Yeah. You know, is it the choice she made? Is it? it is. It's actually, she decided, I don't want to do any of that. And that's fine. And it's not that God has decided to punish people. He's met you at, if you quite literally, people will present themselves by
0: their thought. Mm-hmm.
1: Wow. That's so
0: deep. So that's what you're going to be doing. That's what you are doing. Mm-hmm. That's what, that's what, uh, and you have so much, um. I feel like you're still at the be- you know, not the beginning, but you have so much more that you're going to do. Cause even today I looked at you and I said, do you do energy work yet? <laughs> you're right. It's I feel fine. like you're going to be doing, you know, Reiki, many mm-hmm. other things like mm-hmm. that. And of course, obviously, in addition to the stand up and mm-hmm. you know, the, the screenplays and, and, and actual plays mm-hmm. and many other things that you're doing. Um, Wow, that's very exciting. So you'll be still juicing it up in the arts and singing. And singing, that's right. We're we're gonna have a very a date soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Wow.
1: It's all available for everyone.
0: Yeah, and that's such an important thing to remember. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, even especially in the arts. A lot of the time, it's like the opposite career where you think that. Um, like, any other career, if you're a lawyer or you're a doctor, you think that your career peaks, like, later as you get older and learn more things, and you start making more money, and when you're, like, a musician or an actor, you start freaking out after you're, like, 28, because you're, like, oh, my God, you know, like, you're supposed to just bang right out of the right out of the gate when you're young, and then as you get older, you have, like, less and less opportunity, and it's actually no longer true. It's not true. It's never really been. Um But of course, like people are, if that's if you're looking at uh, the mainstream, but I feel like all of that is shifting now too, and um, anything can happen, Mm -hmm. so we just have to remind ourselves of that. Mm -hmm. But uh, we're quite well supported in the meantime with friends, as Mm -hmm. you all pointed Mm out, Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, it's funny, I have not, even though you've given me several mini readings and little mm-hmm. downloads that you've received, which have been very deep, I haven't had a chance to have an official reading with you, so we will be doing an exchange of services, which can. I'm super excited about. I want to tell everyone as well that in addition to, so Paul's, it's not, I don't know if you would even consider um, your work as a tarot reader, teacher, and spiritual counselor to be your main thing. Because I know that you for so long were in, have been in the theater for like mm-hmm. many, many years before mm-hmm. you ever were doing tarot work. But mm-hmm. um, I met you through the spiritual side of things. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, if you do want to get a reading with Paul or have mm-hmm. a session with Paul, um, do you have a website or do you go through Liberate Emporium?
1: I go through Liberate Emporium currently. Uh, I'm working on my website. Yes,
0: working on the website. So if you want to get in touch with Paul, you go to liberateemporium.com. You can come in and see him. Um, Liberate is in the Los Feliz neighborhood in Los Angeles. But there's phone readings available. And the phone readings are very, um, they're just as good as in-person readings. uh,
1: What I think is a benefit to phone readings is I'm so concentrated on what I'm getting. I don't have to check and see if you're okay. You Uh know, I am just giving the information. So, uh, once again, if you're somewhere other than here in Los Angeles, give me a call. Yeah. Yeah, book, book the time. I'm available for you. It's yeah. just finding the time for it, and then, then guidance will make sure that we can meet together.
0: Well, like I said, I mean, your readings, like, I haven't had an official one, but we have had, like, we've had some mini moments that have been very profound, and mm-hmm. I'm very excited to study with you. There's also a tour. Yeah, you mm-hmm. do have to be in person for this, uh, for the Tarot class. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately for now who knows maybe there'll be webinars in the future but um, it starts october 7th that he's teaching a four-week class Mm -hmm. and that's through liberate emporium as well so if you're in la you can come on down um and find out about that but um other words or um or in other ways they can Find out about find your theater. On oh, yeah. yeah, Facebook. I was going to say, yeah, because the First Gentleman, that'll mm-hmm. be happening, and mm-hmm. that's going to mm-hmm. be very exciting. So
1: Excited about First Gentleman. I also have, uh, along with my comedy buddy, Mary Kennedy, The O'Mary Show. Okay. And you can find, it's a, a vodcast, and it's at uh, omaryshow.com. Why,
0: don't, why haven't I seen this yet? That's terrible.
1: Mary and I have been doing it about five years. Oh,
0: my gosh. And, uh, it's it, a vodcast. It is a
1: vodcast, uh-huh. Uh, we actually took a little hiatus, but Mary, Mary lost her mother last December, so, and, uh, Mary currently, uh, is a recurring role on Shameless, so she's actually off-shooting, so we are actually revamping the, but we have a ton of, of archive shows for you.
0: Oh, my God. Um,
1: and also a little comedy, uh radio comedy that I wrote called Oh Mary, please. So, um, it's that. like old time radio and there's three episodes that are there on the website. That it's you what's the
0: to. website address again. You say Oh,
1: Mary show.com. Oh, Mary Oh, Mary show.com.
0: Show.com. And that'll be where they can, you can really get a sense of like a lot of the this mm-hmm. art that you've been mm-hmm. doing for all this time. And
1: we've had amazing, uh, everybody from Judy Tenuta to, uh, the staggering Allie Willis, who, um, she wrote September, for Earth, Wind, and Fire. Oh,
0: what?
1: She uh, she has sixty million in sales. That and was yesterday. It? Indeed, it was. <laughs> Which I I contacted Allie. I sent her a little note going. It's it's one of my most because I always love that song. Imagine the thrill to meet the songwriter. Oh my god,
0: that's so cool.
1: And and Allie is more fun than a box of birds. I mean, she is. <laughs> she's a premier party giver. If you're invited to an Allie Willis party in town, let me tell you what. It's a big deal. She uh, she wrote Boogie Wonderland. She wrote. Uh, the theme for um, Friends. Oh, my I mean, God. She's, she wrote one of my other favorites, one of my favorite codependent ballads for Maxine Nightingale in the early 70s, um, Lead Me On. I mean, she, has, she got her Grammy for the Beverly Hills Cop soundtrack because she wrote Stir It Up for Patti LaBelle. She <gasps> wrote the Neutron Dance for the Pointer Sisters. She recently had the Tony win for The Color Purple.
0: Oh, my God.
1: And I said, Allie, this is amazing. Where did you train? She goes, oh, honey, I can't read music.
0: Yeah, <laughs> she colors on the keys. She
1: hears it, so she is so free with it. She doesn't
0: need to read it.
1: You know, she also just learned how to paint, and she has mm-hmm. paintings and galleries. She even leaned over there. And just, goes, do you know you can mix colors? I've been working in primary paints for three years, <laughs> and I said, well, "How do you do that?" She goes, "It never occurred to me I couldn't." Wow, that's fun.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. It's like just such another reminder of not thinking in your box you know Mm -hmm. and being not so limited uh which is another reason why we need other people to show us all the ways that you know because if it was if you're just stuck with yourself you can't uh (laughs) you can't see the way out but yeah oh well that's wonderful so com Mm -hmm. and liberateemporium.com if you're Mm -hmm. looking to get um a reading with paul so Paul I can't thank you enough. Oh,
1: thank you. I'm so I'm honored. Just, this has been great fun.
0: I'm honored too. So, and thank you everyone for joining us. I know that you got a great deal of inspiration from Paul's life and um I hope that that just feeds your soul and shows you show it definitely reminds me what's possible. Um kind of helps me take my head out of my butt <laughs> a little bit and put it back on my shoulders where it belongs. Um, I have to listen to this a few times so that it's to get it to stick. <laughs> but lucky I get to see you all the time. So oh, Time, I, love. Uh, I get the I get the reminders. Um, so thank you, everyone. We hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your week. Much love, and thank you, Paul.
1: Thank you, my dear.